Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. You're listening to another episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, with my co-host, Jim Resky. It's good to be together, Jim. Before we start, you know, we're kind of at the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. And we've been we've been like doing podcasts now quite some time, like all of 2023. So I just did some research on some stats I want to share with you okay. about the far-reaching impact that our podcast has had. First of all, I want to say uh, Gospel Attic Podcast. I mean, we believe the gospel is the best news ever. We believe the gospel can change your life, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And we believe that if you really understand the gospel, it makes you the best person that, that God created you to be. It will change your life. It changes everything. It's not just the ABCs of the Christian life just to get you into heaven, but it's the A to Z of the Christian life. And we're going to talk more about that on this episode. We're going to talk about the topic of rewards. What does the Bible say about rewards and and how does that impact a, a gospel-driven life or what does that look like? But back to my uh, first thing, Jim, in the year of 2023, over 12,000 people have downloaded our podcast. No kidding. And, that, and there might even be, I, you know, there could be more. I don't know, but but well over twelve thousand people, eighty six percent listen on Apple, seven percent listen on Spotify, and six percent listen on Google. Huh. The top country is obviously no no problem no no uh, surprise here USA. But do you know what the second most popular country is? No, no idea. Take a guess. Canada, Australia, Australia. Oh, that's you know, right. The, we early listeners there, didn't we? Right. You know what the third most popular country is? Okay, now I'm going to think about this answer a little more. Spain. Nope. Ghana. Ghana. So, just in the order of one to ten, the top countries based on the most popular is USA, Australia, Ghana. Then fourth is Singapore. Oh wow. Fifth is Guinea. And then sixth is Spain. Okay. And then seventh is France. Eighth is Canada. Ninth is Germany. And tenth is Botswana. Wow. Well, special shout out then to our listeners in Australia. They're number one. They're number, yeah, number one besides America. And Ghana, number two, right? Yeah, besides America. So uh, the right. USA. Isn't uh, that surprising? It, well, it is. I think I'm trying to remember the, the early discussions about this, trying to look at those statistics and understand it. It almost seems like there would be a small group that would kind of spread by, you imagine spreading by word of mouth. There's one or two, then there's 10, then there's 20. Like it's just a small group of people in a country like that that's listening to it saying, hey, I just picked this up and spreading it by word of mouth. So if you're one of those people, we really appreciate it. And we're we're just hoping um, this, is, this is something we do for free. It's not like it's any kind of you know, um, uh, paid thing we're doing. We just hope it ministers to people and helps people grow in Christ, right? Exactly, exactly. So guess what? Guess how many countries we've reached? Guess how many countries? In 2023, we have touched 88 countries. 88 countries. Think about that. 88 countries. Wow. I mean, that is like, that's huge. Staggering. What would it take to travel to 88 countries and just have it strike up a spiritual conversation with somebody? Yeah. Now, do you want to hear some of our most popular episodes? Yeah, please. One of our most popular episodes was titled A Discussion of the Life of Jacob with Greg Bryan, Jim Resky, and Pat Keating. Oh, wow. That was back in January. Okay. That that one that one was one of our most popular episodes. And then another most popular episode was you teaching lessons from the life of Abraham. Oh, the Abraham one. Boy, I got so much. The Lord taught me so much out of doing that and prepping for that about 
Yeah. Like, well, that's great. I'm really excited. Isn't it cool? Like that, that episode like spread all over the world. Well, that's fantastic because I I took, I actually took a lot of that episode and I wasn't going to do this, but I I just, I felt like I learned so much by doing that, that I ended up uh, writing that out and putting that as a chapter in the book. So yeah. The, uh, the book that I'm working on. So well, um, that makes sense because uh, it obviously struck a chord with not just you, but with lots of people. No, oh, fantastic, fantastic, and honestly, and that again, this is, sounds like it's spiritual pride. So I'm going to lose rewards by talk, saying this, but a lot of that was like stuff I thought was original. It's not stuff I usually I'm like looking at things and that we're we're getting from commentators and we're drawing from people. I often draw very much from Tim Keller and am very happy to give attribution. And acknowledgement of people when we say, "Look, I, here's a thought, but I got this straight from Tim Keller, right? Because he's way better than I am, and I'm way happy to please listen to what he said on this topic and not me." But a lot of that Abraham stuff was stuff I felt like just it's like um, spirit-led discovery, reading the Bible, which I should be encouraging people as a as a lay person. I'm, I mean, I'm not a professional Christian; I have a day job and just like to study the Bible, but. If I can do you too, just in, in studying the Bible and going through it, God can open your eyes and reveal these great things in the scriptures. So, yeah, I think the cool thing is that both of us were were um, we're not um, we're amateur theologians. That's right. We are welcome to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Like we we are not dogmatic in the sense of if we if we teach something that is wrong, we're, we want to be corrected. We want to you know. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we're we're willing to we're willing to say that we're wrong. And so we're going to talk about a topic tonight, um, the topic of rewards in heaven. Right. And um, I always get a little nervous um, uh, thinking about rewards in heaven because they can become your primary motivation for your Christian life. Mm-hmm. And I and I worry that if they do become the primary motivation for your Christian life, then all of a sudden you're off track. Yeah. You've fallen back into performance-driven Christianity, and so we want to we want to get into that. But before we do, the thing that excites me about what I just shared about the eighty-eight countries, you know, it reminds me that so much of what we do in this life, we will never know the true impact of it until we're in eternity. And so, like Jim, you know, we we've been doing these podcasts. We have no idea how they spread. We don't pay for advertising. We're not making money from the podcast. We're just two guys that love Jesus and have been changed by the gospel and want to share that with other people, want to share what we've learned and pass it along. Right. So it's just so cool for to think about, you know, hundreds of people in Spain listening to us and, and benefiting uh, hopefully um, from some of the things that we share. And, but I, I just love that whole idea. And and this is what gets me excited about rewards in heaven is that, you know, so much of what we do, we will never, we never know that the impact of it, including this podcast, like That's right. I can, I, I have a, you know, I, I have, you know, the data that shows me that 88 countries have listened to our podcast, but I have, but I have no idea who those people are. And I have no idea the impact that whatever they listened to had on their lives, but maybe one day we will know that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into this topic of rewards. Uh, Jim, you brought it up recently. What, what made you want to bring it up? Well, so, um, we should probably talk, talk about first maybe the, the the kind of view of rewards that is out there that we see. Um, so uh, and maybe I could ask you, Greg, to summarize that because you sent me an article about this, and I've been doing some research on this and commentators, and so uh, just kind of the the view, and a lot of it comes from uh, the the uh, passage of scripture in Second uh, Corinthians five, I believe. Yeah, we probably should read that. Yeah, so let me just, I'll read 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. And then maybe if you want to take a second, Greg, and say this is the kind of the view that's espoused in the, the article you sent me earlier today, but also other commentators. And I will kind of talk about what what that view is, um, what the implications are, why it might, why, my first reaction, why it rubs me the wrong way. Kind of because it's, it's all about the single line to give you a preview. 
Yeah. And then what if it's true? What if it's not true? And what could it possibly mean? What if that's because there are all these verses that talk about rewards. So what do they really mean? Anyway, that's kind of a maybe an outline for what we could talk about tonight. But the, a lot of it really comes from this verse in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, uh, that says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And the words judgment seat are often translated, uh, in the Greek word for that, I think, is bima seat. So people talk about the bima seat of Christ. And it's not just this verse. There's another verse in Romans that talks about this. I'll get it here in a minute if you want to get the reference. But and there are some other verses as well that talk about uh, crowns. You're going to have, uh, Christians are going to have crowns in heaven. And, um, and so the notion is that, you know, you are going to be judged. It would be a bima seat of Christ. Uh, even if you are a believer. So but it, once you, Greg, if you want to take it from there, build on that and talk about what the that view that of the rewards is so we can. Yeah, well, the view of this is that most Christians don't fully realize the seriousness of this verse, what this verse is saying, that we're all going to have to give an account to Jesus for everything that we've done uh, here on earth, all that is good and all that with the bad. And that this verse is teaching us that rewards will be given to us by God. And those rewards are totally dependent on what we accomplish for him while living down here on earth. Right. Well, we accomplish totally dependent on what we accomplish for him while living down here on earth. And that's what I think that's what kind of uh, scares us a little bit um, because yeah. it just feels like the whole motivation for those rewards is we got to accomplish more. I want to accomplish more. That's and right. so, um, yeah, and it just, it feeds pride. Um, it's meant to. And and it also, there's fear and pride that a lot of, that I think can be taken from this verse that I'm not sure is really, um, when you take the Bible as a whole and you take, you know, what Jesus said and, and um, you know, other verses about, our Christian life and sanctification. I think this is, this makes me nervous that, um, you know, you can just become so like a spiritually proud person and yeah. just uh, be like, I'm going to accomplish more than you do. For sure. Cause I'm going to get more rewards than you do. Yeah. And, and the writers who write about this say, well, you don't want to be the one with no rewards. So if you want to be the one that, you know, shows up in front of the BMC to Christ and that's nothing to show for your life. Right. So what they're trying to do is motivate you. And so let me just take a second to talk about the single line, because we, we throw that image yeah. around. People who follow the podcast might know, but a lot of people might not know. It's really super simple. It's just an image image of what the Christian life looks like, at least what I used to think the Christian life looks like, but I don't think it's an accurate view. But the view goes like this. It says, look, if you draw a simple graph on a piece of paper, you know, and on the vertical axis up and down is holiness and on the horizontal axis is time and those two lines right a very simple graph and put your pencil in the bottom left corner and draw a line at a 45 degree angle up and to the right and so now you've drawn a picture of the christian life oh wait but wait put a cross at the bottom left corner and now you've got a drawing of the way these people look at the christian life it's the single line approach it says jesus died to wipe all your sins away justification is by faith alone by his grace all given to you now the rest of your christian life is all about climbing up that single line over time improving your holiness so hopefully your line is at a 45 degree angle it's lumpy they'll say it's not always direct but it should be rising and moving up and to the right over time because while grace was operative for your justification for you becoming a christian it is no longer operative for your sanctification. In other words, yes, 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 Jesus saved you, wiped your sins away, but now your Christian life is all on you. And they might even say, well, his grace is going to help you, but it's all about your spiritual performance. And I, so a lot of what you and I talk about on this podcast, what makes us gospel addicts is that we've kind of said, no, the Christian life isn't about that. Grace is what drives you for your entire Christian life. You don't set it aside when you become a Christian and then switch back to hard work and effort. Grace is what propels you. And you can look at, oh, let me find this verse for you because it's great, a great verse. 
uh, I don't have the tip of my tongue, but I'll get it for you. It's in Titus. And it says, uh, the grace of Christ teaches us to deny all ungodliness. It's the grace that motivates us and moves us along in our Christian life. It's not, uh, here, it's Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us, it is grace. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. In other words, grace, because you've been given this salvation, you're so grateful for it. It, it, it is what teaches you to deny ungodliness and worldly passions, live a self-controlled life, and to change your life, right? But that's a very different view than the single line, which is that, no, grace was good for your salvation. Now, the rest is up to you. And when you read the things you were reading from and you looked at about rewards, and I started looking at lots and lots of commentators, they don't look at it that way they say they look at it and say you know it's your your Christian life your spiritual performance is all on you and you're going to be judged at the bema seat of christ and some of them greg went so far as to say it's not just that he's just going to dole out rewards all your sins are going to be scrolled behind you a couple commentators i read said that so like as if as if they were they were you know i'm sure they didn't have stadium-sized lcd screens in the new testament but they were picturing like a rolling scroll of all your bad deeds so everyone around you could see this and you could just see Jesus like shaking his head going, you know, tisk 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 like, well, geez, you know, look at you, Jim, look at you. Can you, can't That doesn't make any sense to me at all because we, we know that the Bible teaches there's two judgments. There's a great white throne judgment. It's uh, mentioned in Revelation and that's when there's these books that are opened mm -hmm. and, um, but there's books that contain all of a person's sins and and what what their uh, what their uh, what their life looks like. But then there's then then it mentions then there's the book of life, right? And if your name is in the book of life, then it's because you've trusted in Jesus um, for your salvation for for your forgiveness, and then you know you're 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 good with God. Right. And it's those people that go to the judgment seat of Christ. So it doesn't make any sense to me that when they get to the judgment seat of Christ, that, that God's going to bring up your sin because your sin has already been paid for at that point. Well, what would it uh, mean? Absolutely. If Jesus, if my sin is all going to be scrolled at a big, you know, stadium sized screen behind me while I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, which sounds like a way to, I, I think someone, some teacher is teaching this because they say, look, my job is to get you to crawl up the single line. My job as a teacher is to get you to move up into the right. How am I going to get you to change your lives, shape up, be better people, be better Christians, perform for Christ? How am I going to get you to do that? I know. I'll use carrots and sticks because yeah. that works to modify behavior, right? So here's a carrot. You're going to get, if you do, if you do it right, you'll get all kinds of rewards. You'll get red Corvettes in heaven. It'll be great. But if you don't, the scroll of a sin going behind you, the humiliation, hanging your head in shame. How does that kind of feel? So it's a carrots and stick approach to change behavior. Right? Yeah. And it's dangerous. That's where that's where religion, religion is actually dangerous and harmful when um it becomes like that manipulation, that control. And that is not what the Bible teaches. That is not the gospel. Um just uh, throwing in there another verse that uh, kind of going along with one of the ones you shared is Second um, Peter 3.18, where um, Peter ends his letter saying, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. I love that. Growing in grace. What is that? That is what our spiritual life is supposed to look like. And then the whole book of Galatians, which I know you're going to be teaching part of, Right. And in, in the next couple of weeks is is a Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's written to believers who have fallen away from the gospel. They've fallen back into that performance um, mentality. And I, I think that it's it's such a strong default setting in, in the human heart that um, it's easy for us to fall back into that. But um, it is. Um, yeah, so so when I think about the judgment seat of Christ, I think it's going to be more of a celebration, a worship 
um, a joyful judgment, which I know, you know, hearing the word judgment doesn't sound like it's joyful, but that perhaps, um, and I might be jumping a little bit ahead. Hold on, hold that thought there. Don't okay. jump ahead. Okay, yeah. A couple of things. Let's I not jump to... ahead. Well, let's 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 unpack it just a little more before we get to that. Because I think yes. you and I, you've taught in this before. I know you've taught in this, and I love your teaching on it about what it could really mean. Which I think, and both of us, I think, more in line with Tim Keller's or some of his teaching on this too. But um, since you mentioned Galatians. Galatians was written to a group of people that heard the gospel, responded so well, and then other people came along and said, no, 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 it's not just Jesus plus nothing, it's Jesus plus. you. Yes, 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 you are saved by Jesus, wonderful, but you got to follow the law too, you got to do all these things on top of it. So not it to get, you know, to, to please God, you can't just rely on Jesus's grace, you must do all these other things too, and Paul really comes down on them pretty hard i'm looking at galatians 3 he says you foolish galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes jesus christ was clearly portrayed as crucified as if to say the cross is enough he's, he's not saying yes the, the cross started you out but then the rest is up to you he said think about the cross and then in verse this is galatians 3 verse 2 i would like to learn just one thing from you did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard and this is the key verse, Galatians 3.3. 3. Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And in other versions I have, it says, after beginning by the spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh, by means of the flesh? In other words, you, you started your spiritual life because of the grace. Now you think it's by your human effort and obeying the law that's going to perfect your Christian life? What's the matter with you? And it's like, that's the crux. Galatians 3.3 is the crux of the issue, right? And then he goes on to say, he refers back to Abraham, actually, and says, you know, the Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness, right? It was given to him as righteousness. So Galatians is like kind of a refutation of this whole idea of Jesus plus, that you need more than that. Um, and, and it kind of, uh, um, and, and it kind of, it, it goes on from there. Um, yeah. And it feeds it, it yeah, it, it if you if you follow that, Jesus plus, you fall into spiritual pride. Um or, or um yeah, I mean it's just it's it uh it's a it's a dangerous it's a dangerous uh place to place to go. Well here's one thing that surprised me reading these commentators, and I read a whole slew of them in a row on on the whole concept of rewards. Um, and there's a whole world of Christian commentators. Obviously, the people who write Christian commentary and full-time Christian work, as I know you are, Greg, so I don't want to you know, disperse that, right? But but what, what shocked me is they don't have the attitude you have on this. They're writing about this verse, and they get to the verse on, like, about the beam of seed of Christ, and they get excited about it, and they start writing about it in these really glowing terms, like, oh, this is such a great verse. And it's really motivational and it's so exciting and it's so great. And it's so, you know, heartwarming to know that um, there's going to be all these great rewards for my spiritual performance. And, and, and as if they're trying to say, yeah, I believe in grace to wipe my sins away, but now there's a home for all my good works. So finally, I will get some credit for having given my life to Christian work, to the Christian service, for all these things I've done for the Lord. I will get some rewards for, you see, it's so, and they kind of, they, they go on a riff off this one verse to talk about what a couple of them say, there's going to be different levels in heaven, you see, and we're going to, some of us are going to get the higher levels in heaven. In other words, when I read the verse, because of my, the understanding, a little, little bit of understanding I have of the gospel that you and I share on this podcast, and that really, you know, Keller helped amplify and understand in my life, which comes from Luther and, and many, many others is, our sin problem is way worse than we think it is. Our sin problem is so horrific that it took the death of the Son of God to wipe it away. Our sin problem is not a tiny little thing. It is a, it is a massive sin problem. We're constantly out of touch with it. We always underestimate it. We never really get it. And yet these writers who write about the rewards say, you know, it's, it's really cool. There's going to yeah. be great rewards yeah. for people like me who have done so well. And so I read it, I think, 
if that if if it works the way you say it works, what a horror show! What a horror show! Mm. What hope is there? And they look they write about it like this is just going to be great. And I think, well, who did? How well do you think you're going to do before the beam is seen at Christ? And and I think on this, you know, this we draw the single line. We talk about it like a scale. I think they all think they're like nines and tens, eights and nines out of a scale of ten. And so it's going to be a wonderful day to have their spiritual performance evaluated in front of everybody. And I right. think, if not for the grace of God, what a I mean, what a horror show! It's it's going to be an awful day. Why are you looking forward to this? Um. So that's that was a huge surprise to me, and the tone was relentlessly the same in all the writers I was reading. Yeah, like, speaking of that, speaking of that, let me um, I'm going to quote one of the writers. I'm not going to share the writer's name, but here's what he says, and and I want to get your reaction to this. Okay. He says, now he's talking about that passage in First Corinthians chapter three, that each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. He he says, my interpretation of this verse is the greater and better our labor and work is for the Lord in this life, the greater our rewards will be in heaven. I believe that there will be a direct correlation between the two. Greater service will be leading to greater rewards. I, 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 I recoil in horror, Greg. Because <laughs> I mean, when you hear reaction, something like, like that, when you hear something like that and you're not in full-time Christian work, you think, well, gee, I, you know, you feel guilty. Like, man, I should be in full-time Christian work. Right. Hey, I would if, tell you something like this. Hey, you're in full-time Christian work. Right. I would tell this guy who wrote that passage, how, how good do you think you are? Rate yourself on a scale of one to 10. How, how high of an evaluation? Cause then you said, let me, let's, let's read Philippians where Paul talks about his own good works and he says, I have a better resume than all of you. You know what it is? All my righteousness? He, he said, it's filthy rags. And Paul, when he does his own self-assessment, Paul says, I am the chief of sinners. So if you have a big line, if you're going to have the, if the BBC of Christ is going to line and say, before we judge, go to the judge, see BBC, everybody line up um, from the best Christian to the worst Christian. Paul is going to run to the back of the line. Paul is going to say, I belong. You don't get it. I belong at the back of the line. I am the worst Right. And, so, and and all these people who write these commentators say, well, not me, not me. I think I'm, I might not be the front of the line, but I'm kind of up, up there. I can't wait for this day. Finally, I'll get some recognition for all the good things I've done. And Paul says, well, you're a better Christian than I am. You're way better than me. All my righteousness is filthy rags and I belong at the back of the line. Good luck. This author goes on and he says, how well you work for God and what you accomplish for him while you're while down here on this earth is where your good works will be coming in. The gift of eternal salvation gets you into heaven, but mm. good works will be getting you the bigger and better rewards once you enter into heaven. That's why the Bible says faith without works is dead. Oh, my gosh. So, so, so this is why we had to do this podcast and talk this over. This is why I had to. My book was actually done, by the way. I had to reopen it because I want to write another chapter about this because it's such a, so important. It is not it is not someone say, just saying I. I feel like I'm a nine out of 10 on the scale. And therefore I'm looking forward to this day. Like out of self, it, it is self-righteousness. Okay. It, it definitely is. It's not just that it's a theological point of view that um, it's a theological point of view that says salvation is grace is only operative self for salvation. It is not for your Christian life. Your Christian life is that's, that's your hard work and effort. It's up to you. So I, I, I look at that guy and I say, well, you, you must think you're better than the Apostle Paul. But here, here's another question for someone like that who writes that and say, what if what if it's not like that? What if there are no rewards for you? What if it, what if what if you, everything you do in the Christian life, all the sacrifices you made in full-time Christian service, all the commentaries you wrote, all the great things, you, art, Christian articles you published, all that great stuff. What if there were no personal rewards for you? Would you still have done it? What if there's no red Corvette for you in heaven? Would you still have done it? But you sit. Uh, how, what, what would the guy say? Would he sit back in his chair and say, "Oh, wait a second. I thought I thought there's a big pile of gold for me. I thought there was a big bigger mansion than the next guy for me." Jim, what do you think the rewards are? Well, that's that you were starting to go there, and I I held you back, right? Because I, I think you do have to talk about that because, like, well, these verses are here. Yeah, right? they do. The Bible does talk about rewards. There. So what? So what does it mean, right? What could it mean? And so, and you. You were going there a second ago, so uh, why, why don't you, you start on this, and I'll pick up on it, because you gave a great teaching on this in our study not too long ago. Talk about the kind of rewards. 
well, let's talk about what we what what are some of the, some of those guys that you were reading that you kind of you know raise the hair in the back of your neck. What 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 do they say the rewards are? Well, that's the funny thing. You read all these commentators, and they all get like I said, super excited about other rewards. Oh yes, for people like me that have fought the good fight and you know living Christian lives, it's super motivational. I'm so excited about it, so happy about it. And then they get to the commentators, they say, well, what are the rewards actually? What actually? What form do the rewards take? And they really start to sputter and get like, well, we don't really know because the Bible doesn't really say. I told you there was one I read that said there'd be multi levels in heaven. There's been a couple like that. There'd be higher, we'll get higher levels of heaven somehow, whatever that means. Others say it'll be something that brings you great joy. Who knows what it is? Maybe that's a red Corvette. Maybe that's like <laughs> to repeat that joke. Maybe it's a bigger mansion, you know, but it'll be some personal individual reward some treasure given to you and they something measure story. measurable like like a bigger house or a... uh, right something up but if they if they, they immediately assume they don't know what it is but they assume it's a personal reward for you and they use that verse in revelation you mentioned earlier when jesus says no no you didn't mention you talked about the great white throne judgment another verse in revelation says jesus jesus says i'm coming soon and my reward is with me and they say see there it is he's it's like santa with a bag of treasure and he's going to come and dole out bars of gold nice who knows what sports cars watches um diamonds who knows what they're going to be and all but all the commentators sputter when they get to that i say we really don't know but what we do know it's going to be great and it's and they but they but it's definitely they definitely interpret it as a personal individual like reward for you for all the good work you did. And these teachers, these teachers emphasize that rewards are a motivation for us. Right. And right. that's where, that's where like we say the primary motivation for the Christian life is gratitude. Yes. And it's that's gratitude right. for something that was done for us. that was that we could never do for ourselves. It was the thing that you mentioned is, we spend our whole lives trying to grasp um, how 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 wide and how deep is the love of Christ that He did what He did for us on the right. cross, right? Um, substituting Himself for us, and um, and that 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 is the you know so gratitude for what christ has done is the primary motivation for the christian life not getting rewards in heaven right if we if we it's my position that if we make rewards a primary motivation for your spiritual life that's a dangerous place to be and i think you're falling back into performance driven pride driven christianity and so, um, well, so I don't, you know, I think that it's fair to say that nobody does really know what the rewards are going to be. <laughs> but there's a couple of verses that we've talked about that help us get a clue for what they are. And there are two verses that talk about crowns. Yeah. I, th I think you mentioned them. I got them in front of me. You want me to read them? Yeah, you read them. Yeah. Okay. One is Philippians four, verse one. And this is Paul writing. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in this way, dear friends. That was Philippians 4, verse 1. And the other verse that's really clear on this is 1 Thessalonians 2, 19. It says, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? 1 Thessalonians 2, 19. So what are the what are the what are the rewards? What could they possibly be? What are the crowns? Yeah. So this is where I think that you and I land when it comes to this idea of rewards. And you know, we're willing to be proven otherwise, but I think the scripture's teaching that the rewards are the lives that have been impacted, um, touched by um by us. Um, but it's not um, it's because we, of that gratitude, that's, that's what makes me want to live for Jesus. That's right. And when I live for Jesus, I'm going to do good works. 
I'm going to touch other people's lives and it's not, I'm not doing it out of pride. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, I was thinking about three different areas where at that judgment seat of Christ, um, we might come into like a full realization of, um, the impact our lives had on earth. One is just our direct ministry. Like mm -hmm. people, you know, direct people that we directly impacted. And I would say we're aware of a lot of those. I mean, I know that there are, there are people that have written me and, um, you know, have thanked me for the impact I've made on their lives, whether it's sharing the gospel with them, bringing them to faith. So I know, and I know those people, I know those people, but I also think that there's people that I've, that maybe that I've touched that I don't even realize that I made an impact. I can remember a guy writing me an email years, years after I ministered to him when he was a college student and his email thanked me because at one of our events, I, I gave him a book on prayer mm. and it was like a prize. Um, you know, it was like a random prize, but it's like a white elephant gift exchange or something like that. And he got the gift of, he got this book on prayer, I think by John Piper. And he wrote me specifically saying that that book changed his life wow. and put him on the path um, to, um, you know, devoting his life to prayer. Wow. And um, I was like shocked because I didn't even remember I did that. And so I wonder if at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to see that. But the thing that the, the other two areas that I thought thought of that we never really get any glimpse of the impact we have is our giving. Mm -hmm. Like when we give and I don't, you know, I'm pretty sure like you're like me, like you give to lots of different organizations, you give to individuals, you give to the church, all that charitable giving. And um, we have no clue how God is really using that. Right. Like I think in eternity, I think we're going to see the impact of that giving and then probably the biggest one is prayer, because um, I don't know about you, but um, I, I see answers to prayer, but I but I pray for things that I will never know how those prayers are answered. Like when I pray for different countries, when I pray for different people groups, when I pray for my friends who are um, from, you know, other other religious backgrounds. Right. Um you know, when you pray for a country, mm -hmm. you know, um, it, you know, I just, to me, I think the judgment seat of Christ, my theory, and um, is that that's where we're going to get a glimpse of the impact that our prayers are giving our direct ministry had on people's lives. And I think it's going to be a time of tremendous joy. Right. And very humbling, too, because we'll realize that, you know, unlike, I mean, there's so many people that do try to measure the impact of their ministry. Like, you know, they're like, you know, we touched, well, even some of the things I shared earlier on this podcast, you know, 88 countries. Well, right. But still, I have no clue. As if we I got have, credit for that somehow. Right, right. Um I mean, that's what I love about doing this podcast is the fact that people can discover discover it um, from all over the all over the globe yeah. and maybe benefit. I mean, this could be life changing, even just, you know, rethinking your idea of rewards right. and what those rewards are. To me, it makes the most sense because there's three things that last forever. God, his word and people. And so it makes sense to me that the rewards would be the lives of the people that we've touched. And the thing is, part of those rewards are going to be the people that touch my life. Like I'm going to get, I'm going to get to thank the people that touch my life and impacted my life. So here, here's the image, contrast these images, the, the, the passage from the guy you just read thinks he's going to stand in front of the great white throne. God's going to put his scroll of sins behind that it's very, very, very limited scroll because it's, it's very sin, very, you know, a sinless life. 
And then they're going to list all the great things he's done. They're going to say, here's a goodie bag, all these individual rewards, because you, many have done try, but you have, you have exceeded them all. And well, he'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So his individual performance will be evaluated. He'll say, he, he thinks it's, it's so motivational because I'm going to do really well at this game. You know, and it's going to be a great day because I'm going to get then this, the, the goodie bag will burst open. I'll have all kinds of individual personal rewards for me. Right. That's his image of the judgment seat of Christ. Contrast that with what you just pictured, which is where you say, okay, Greg, it's your turn. Step up to the judgment seat of Christ. And you, and they say, what do you have to say for yourself? You say, Lord, I have nothing to say for myself. My only righteousness comes from you and what you've given me. And I praise your name because all my sins are cast on you and taken off me. Right. And he says, well, Greg, I want you to show something. Everybody else in line, anyone whose life was touched by Greg, come forward, all of you right now. And you think, well, maybe, you know, a dozen, two dozen people come forward. Those are the direct people in your first category. You know that you led to Christ or whatever. And suddenly dozens come, hundreds come, thousands come. You're like, who are these people? And, and every one of them says, Greg, you don't even know. You had you said something to someone and then that person says something and that person gave to a ministry that changed my life. You have no idea how much you touched. All of them step forward. And, they, and Jesus says, Greg, turn around, look at your reward. You're going to yes. spend eternity with all these people. And huge applause and thunderous applause, right? That's the view. And then, by the way, the next person, someone else steps up and you get to be in their throng, whoever they are, and say, I just want you to know I'm here because of you. And you changed my life. And you get to be their reward, right? Totally yeah. different. Totally yeah, different. it is. It is a totally different image. And I, I just think that judgment seat of Christ is going to be more about joy. And I'm not sure, you know, when I was, when you were talking about that, I was thinking I might be on my face. Yeah. <laughs> because I, yeah. I'm in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'll be standing up with any type of confidence at all. I think well, I'll be in you know in a the i'll be worshiping the way i sh i wish i could worship now undistracted it'll be i'll be focused on jesus and you know like you you see the sports athletes they, they score a touchdown then they point up yep um all because of him i i think you know even even if what you shared is true i think i will be very aware I'll be pointing at Jesus like that wasn't me. That was that was the good works that God prepared in advance for me to do. Amen. 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 And you and, and you and you say, Lord, I if your motivation was ever right, you were just doing it for him. Right. So it's yeah. like that guy's world who said, No, 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 this is the way it works. You see, you've got to do these things to get individual performance. What if it doesn't work the way you said? If he if his motivation falls apart, if he says, Oh, well, in that case, why would I ever do anything good? You say, Well, who are you doing these good works for? Right. If there's no reward in it for you at all, you should say, I'm only doing it for Jesus. Even even if there is no reward in it for me personally whatsoever. Right. Um, you should be doing it that way. So the, so when we think about that image. There's two passages we really need to talk about that we haven't talked about yet, even in our, you know, talking about this over the weekend, getting ready for the call. One is Matthew 20. Where yeah. They all work at different times of the day and they and they get to the judgment. And everybody gets the exact same reward. And that is not talking about the people you've influenced or anything. This is like your, your personal reward for you personally is exactly equal. It, 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 very quickly in the parable, some people show up and work all day. Some people show up at the last hour of the day. They all get the same wage. The people who show up work all day long are angry. And Jesus, Jesus says that the, the, the worker who is God, the, the higher the uh, owner who is God says, look, it's my money. I can give it to who I please. I'm giving it. It's all a gift to all of you, whether you worked all day or whether you got saved in the last five minutes of your life, right? Your, but your personal reward is exactly the same. Now, if you get saved in the last five minutes of your life, you're not influencing a lot of people for Christ, right? So you, those people will say, I missed out on that. I wish I'd been saved earlier because I didn't get a chance to do all that, right? They're the ones who are going to say, I missed out, but you won't all get the same personal reward. So that was one passage I wanted to mention. There's one more I want to get to, but I don't. What's the other one? What's the other one? Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. How do oh, you talk yeah. about Jesus Christ? I'm talking about the sheep and the goats because the sheep, when Jesus says, "Look, you did all these great things for me. You visited me when I was sick. You you came and came to my rescue. You did all these great things." They say, "Lord, when did I do that? Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and and helped you?" They don't. 
they have no awareness of their good deeds at all. In other words, they would say, my entire life was just focused on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My my awareness of my goodness was non-existent. I don't Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus says, you did all these great th- these things for people. You help people, you do this. When you were doing that to them, you were doing it for me, right? So they, they're going to they come and see, let me show you the people you helped. You're, you're rewarded for that. You're recognized for that. But in their life, they say they had no cognizance of it, no focus on it whatsoever, just focused on Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, that's, man, those are, those are great. Those are great passages. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just think that, um, you know, pride is such a huge problem for people. Um, Like, you know, it's something I think, if all of us were honest, we struggle with on a daily basis. Right. Pride. Right. And so it makes no sense at all that we would have any pride before when we stand before Jesus. No, it it's and it's 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 exactly how every other religion works. In fact, the distinctive of our religion is grace. But every other religion says you want to have the pride of being righteous and the shame of being a sinner, right? Of being of not following the rules. And this whole idea throws it right back. In fact, one of the commentators I read said, why should you be surprised if the Christian life works this way? Every religion works this way. And I thought, that's the reason to be surprised. <laughs> that is the one right. thing that makes Christianity very, the one thing that makes Christianity different from all the religions is this notion of grace. God is the one who gives you his righteousness, right? And and if you and if what you're saying is true, it's so, to, to build off what you just said, Greg, it's so counterproductive. It just makes you prideful, makes you worse sinner, right? If you if you think you're going to get rewards in heaven, you're filled with pride, more pride than Paul. Yeah. And you're sinner than you were when you started. And it it also, I mean, if you think about it, if if you really buy in a hundred percent to this idea that those rewards are what you accomplish, right? Um, in on this side of eternity. If you're not in full-time Christian work, you must feel guilty. Because be what are you doing? You should be in full-time Christian work. Right. I mean, like, why not? Like, why wouldn't everybody be in full-time Christian work? Why wouldn't we be, you know, we all just leave America and go to the hardest to reach countries in the world? And absolutely. Should all be missionaries. Were you wasting your time? Right. So I I just, yeah, it just doesn't if if you think about it it just doesn't make sense the the bible the bible talks so much about pride and 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 the danger of pride and this just seems to feed pride this 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 uh way of looking at rewards if you get it wrong if you get it wrong and fear like i'm gonna miss out i'm gonna be the one embarrassed all my sins are gonna scroll behind me yeah fear guilt shame which are really uh-huh. great ways to modify behavior if your goal is just to move people up the single line and get them to be just better people. But that's just not Christianity. It's not gospel-driven Christianity. It's not gospel-driven transformation. And it's not going to make you a gospel addict. That's right. So, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, talked about it in Galatians. And one of my favorite verses that um, speaks of, like, being a gospel addict is what Paul says in Galatians chapter six, verse 14. Yeah. He says, may I never boast. This is the only thing I should boast about. Except I should only boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Yeah. It's like that. The only thing I should have pride in is yeah. in, in the cross. Oh, yeah. And to me, that is what, that is what, why we're gospel addicts that is what gospel driven sanctification is all about yeah is boasting not in ourselves not in our works um but boasting in the cross yeah that's like in philippians 3 is like that too right whatever things were gained for me if anyone could have boasted i mean this is the guy who wrote like half the new testament yeah yeah right you spiritual know. accomplishments like oh my gosh he should be the front of the line he'd be running to the back of the line Hey, yeah, I mean, cap this off if you want if, to with uh, returning back to Second Corinthians five because there's one other thought about this that I thought. Yeah, go for that, it. That's where we started with verse ten, 
which is this verse about the Bema seat. And all these commentators, they say they get to this verse and they light up. They say, ooh, this is where all oh my goodness gets rewarded. That's the one that says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But the verses right before it don't sound like someone who's thinking about appearing before the judgment seat where their whole life's going to get judged, like the, the way the Apostle Paul would have felt about it, right? But instead, what he says, I don't read this, this starts at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6. He says, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be at home, away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we at home in the body or away from it. I mean, this is somebody who says, I'm a confident, I can approach the throne of grace with confidence. This is the same one who said, I'm the chief of sinners, right? Same one who said, all my righteousness is filthy rags. He said, I'm really looking forward to being at home with him. I'm not going to recoil in horror at a, at a judgment that looks at my life because I'm really, I, I really want to be with him. And he says, my goal is to please the Lord. Now, how, how could he say that? And because the next, very next verse says, you got to appear before the Bema seat. So it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for somebody to say, I'm really looking forward to this day. And then, by the way, judgment for all your works. And the key, no. I think, is this chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, has one of the greatest verses in the gospel in the entire Bible. It ends with that verse. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made, this is Paul says, this, this is one where I've heard like translators translating this, like drop the pens and say, oh my gosh, every verse is great, but this is one that leaps off the page. That God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. All my sin was put on him. All his righteousness was given to me. That's how I can be confident to approach the throne. Because when God looks at me, he's going to say, give, a, give an account for your life. All my sin was put on Jesus. All his righteousness was put on me. That's the only way I can stand before. If, 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 if it's not that, if it has anything to do with you and me, Greg, it's hopeless. It's like every other religion. It's hopeless, right? But that's what gave him the confidence. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.